right, all right, all right. Welcome back, loyal listeners, to the Great Heavy Music Podcast. With us, as always, is the man, the beautiful, the bold, Phil Collins. And we have a special guest with us today, Denny Blake of Stargazer. Super excited to have him with us. As you know, if you are a loyal listener to the show, we highlighted their album, Psychic Secretions, as one of the top five best releases in the first quarter of 2021. And hint, hint, it's going to be at the year-end list, too, because it's just a banger all throughout. So, Denny, also known as the Serpent Inquisitor, you look beautiful, my man, even though you're from the future all the way over there in Australia. How are you doing today? Well enough. Well enough, <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us, man. Thank you for for joining us. So tell us just right out of the gate, how do you guys feel about Psychic Secretions? Do you love it as much as the reception has been positive about it? Yeah, I mean, considering when it was recorded, it came out surprisingly surprising. <laughs> and why, why do you say? We're very happy with it. Yeah, it came out... Yeah, it, it's it's a strange time for anything to be released, and um, there's a lot of interesting factors regarding the album that, um, yeah, lyrically and visually that came out. Um, yeah, it it was for the time. While Perfect. while you're answering our questions, I'm going to play your album underneath. So those of yep. our listeners who are unfamiliar with your guys' style will get a little feel for what your sound is like. One of the things that's most prominent to me on the album is the fretless bass work. Is that something that you guys have always been uh, using in the band, or is that something that's new? No, um, uh, the bass player, <laughs> Great Righteous Destroyer, aka Damon, uh, he's always used the uh, fretless bass, but usually interchanging it depending on the song uh, ever since the first album. So. Um, this time he decided to use it for the. I think it's, it's almost every song except for one, maybe. No, no, every song, every song, on this album. So yeah, he's introduced it more over time. Um, it allows for a different, uh, a different soundscape. He plays a different. Uh, he has a different tone on his on his uh, fretless bass compared to a lot of other Steve DiGiorgio's, I guess. And your album length is thirty eight minutes, which I'm always on this show complaining about bands who are just wasting time filling space not really getting to the point and you guys have a yep. tight 38 minutes where every song is interesting and i want to hit replay when the album is over was that a purposeful choice to keep it tight and short or was it just kind of organic um it's organic but it that's the way i like it personally as well i, I have a short attention span especially nowadays for bands i think if, if you want a long album you listen to classical music you know um or freeform jazz whatever you like but it's yeah, for me, like I said, I'm, I'm used to the era of LPs where records generally didn't last much longer than 36 minutes, 40 minutes tops. And for heavy music, I think it could be a bit tiring on the ears unless you're doing something grandiose. Mm -hmm. Phil, yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot jam-packed into those 38 minutes. Uh, like, what's the recording process like? It just seems like there's, it's so dense with so many clearly different uh, genres mixed in. I mean, like, how how does that come about? Do you guys have to hash it down, or you just kind of just kind of go with it and see what sounds good and keeps it? They keep it, or is it purposeful to have all those influences in there, or you just kind of throw things out there and see what feels good? Um, from a recording perspective, you mean? Yes. Well, all the songs are pre-written before in the rehearsal room. So um, when we go into the studio, there's actually not as much. 
uh, jazz in there. You know, we don't we don't go in there and just start rearranging or writing songs in the studio. We already have them. Every, everything you hear, we play in the in the rehearsal room with the vocals, with the solos, everything in there. And when we set up in the studio, we record live. The only thing we don't record live is the vocals, obviously for constraints. It's hard to hard to do <laughs> record vocals at the same time as everything else. But a lot of the the effects are done in the on the spot. So it's us rehearsing effectively what we've been rehearsing um, in the rehearsal room as in the studio, vice versa. Did COVID put a damper on you guys being able to rehearse and practice? Did you have to do it remotely from your own houses and send the you know the audio through the computer, or were you getting together still and playing? No, no, we had rehearsed. I think we were booked in the studio around the time it hit, and um, so we managed to. We didn't really have a. I think we had like a three-day lockdown at one stage, but it didn't interrupt anything. So it was that was fine. It was just unique. What little hidden details do you want listeners of the album to know that they wouldn't be able to pick up necessarily by, you know, reading the liner notes or, or listening intently? Is there anything that you, like, hidden gems you want people to know about this album or some sort of funny story or anything unique to it that they wouldn't know unless they heard you say it? Um, yeah. A lot of the guitar sounds is... Uh, from my perspective anyway, I mean, uh, I have active pickups in my guitar and if you leave a lead plugged into your guitar, it effectively drains the batteries that, that uh, power the pickups. And at some point during the album, we noticed that the guitar sound was starting to sound very, very twangy. And we ended up keeping it. It was actually the batteries being flat in my, um, in my guitar. And we ended up keeping it, even though it was a challenge to play, we ended up with a very twangy sound. I think it was on, um, on Star Vassal. Um, you hear the guitars very clean. It's, it's a challenge to play um, very heavy music with very little distortion on the guitar, <laughs> but it kept it, it kept it nice and clean. Yeah, it was good. And it's and, um, it, and I think it increased the variety. I know what you're talking about towards the back half. Say, yeah. it, the variety demonstrated itself, and I guess that was organic. You didn't plan that, right? No, definitely not. It was it was mostly during that song, and uh, it ended up suiting the song. We were going to re-record it, but we realized it gave. Just, just because of the style of the song and the style of the guitaring, especially, um, yeah, there's, there's a breakdown in there, and, um, and and the riffing is is like a, it's it's a raking technique, like a half a sweep, and it made it a lot cleaner by, um, yeah, by having that flat pickup effect, I guess. Yeah, yeah it adds to the avant-garde uh, persona. Of oh, song. okay, yeah, which was up <laughs> along. Yeah. <laughs> Should just, you should just roll with it and throw a banjo yeah, in there when you play it live. <laughs> Denny, uh, some of your influences I'm curious about because in the opening track, I hear a pretty distinct like uh, Rainbow or Ronnie James Dio kind of guitar sound, like a classic metal or classic rock guitar sound in the, in the first tracks. And then you have some real black metal sounding stuff in the same song is that fair that you have like multi influences from mainstream stuff to really obscure yeah absolutely i mean um you know i started on heavy rock well i started in heavy music very young at a very young age i, I got into it uh, actively when i was about like, eight and um so i started off obviously with hard rock and heavy metal which was bands like rainbow deep purple ted nugent avis davis um 
yeah, so there, there was a lot of whatever you can get, 70s stuff, and and you kind of grew into it. it was diff it's different uh, for younger generations. They, they, they look at everything retrogressively, like, so that they might get into Cradle of Filth as their first band, and once they've listened to that for a while, they might get into everything that preceded it. Um, whereas um, for an older generation, you tended to start with what there was, and there wasn't that much, and then you went on from there. So, you know, I was around to, to get excited about hearing Venom. I was excited to hear Slayer and and, and the speed metal and, and hear the difference between speed thrash and death thrash and death metal. So you, you pick up all, as you go through those, experience those trends, you kind of pull your influences from all of those. So a certain amount of hard rock and new wave British heavy metal and blah, 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 blah. And by the time, you know, you've spent however many years writing music, you've got like an amalgamation of uh, all these very, very, seemingly very, very different bands. They don't sound completely different to me because I've, I've heard whatever evolution they're supposed to be. Um, yeah, and it just becomes, a, obviously it just becomes a mishmash, you know, <laughs> to some people, not to me. Yeah. Well, it, it's a mismatch or a, a mishmash, but it sounds, it sounds so, uh, it's a fluid, there's no, you know, it, it, it sounds coherent. Totally. That's, that's hard to pull off. I mean, I was wondering, like, because I know you're in the band, the band Road Warrior and mm -hmm. uh, Cauldron Black Ram. It's like, you almost feel like uh, something, you like tease yourself a little bit when you're doing Stargate or something. And you just have to go like, I'm going to go just do a classic, my classic heavy metal project or, you know, like a straight up more like a cult pirate, like black metal theme thing. You know, it's like, it's almost like you need these outlets, you know, like, yeah. Um, yeah, that's pretty. That's pretty awesome. Do you yeah. sing uh, clean on Road Warrior, and then you also do all the screams on Stargazer? Yes. Yeah. I, yeah. Um, yeah. I do all the vocals, obviously, in Road Warrior. Yeah. And uh, and all the clean vocals in Stargazer as well. And uh, yeah. That's uh, that's awesome, man. That's a so you guys are yeah. It seems like everybody in the band is so um, wide, you know, well-rounded in talent. It's pretty pretty impressive. Thank you, Denny. Do you think that this uh, Psychic Secretions album? Do you think it's your best of your catalog, or where does it land in your opinion? Oh, I don't know. I mean, I guess it's like comparing children, you know. Yeah, it's I'm hard. satisfied because it's um, it represents another era of songwriting and it's i'm very very happy with it i think it's come out very very solid and very professional without sounding well, it's obviously not trendy at all and it's not uh, overproduced or underproduced and uh it's it seems to be inspiring a lot of people so um yeah i mean it's hard to pick it really is really hard to say. i was very happy with the, the prior album as well and um Benny, let me ask you a different way let's say that somebody like myself i'm new to you guys i had never heard of you before i encountered this album and i really fell in love with this album so if yeah. this is my favorite which of your back catalog should i go to next that would be most similar to this iteration of the band just go backwards okay got it so they follow the evolution chain backward the de-evolution de <laughs> Just perfect. follow the path of regression. Okay, yeah. perfect. Yeah. Awesome. Now tell yeah. me, I'm interested because the, you have so much complexity going on in this album. 
Is it hard mm. to play live? Have you had a chance to even play it live because of COVID? What's that been like? No, we, we had some shows booked. Um, obviously, I fell through. We're meant to be playing a tour through uh, through Europe as well. And um, these songs are hard to play, absolutely. There's, there's a couple that aren't so hard. But overall, it's very hard. <laughs> because, because I'm a... From, I can only speak from my perspective. But being, being a power trio, and I'm, I'm the guitarist, I don't have a particularly crazy guitar sound. It's quite clean. And um, there, there's a lot more pressure on you as a, as a musician. And, and even for, say, there's a lot more pressure when there's only three members in the band and nobody's fighting for space. There's, everyone can be heard all the time. So um, the drummer's always clear. There's no triggers on the drums. The bass is very defining, uh, defined and uh, has a very clear cut from, say, the guitar tone. You know, whereas you might hear a band and the bass kind of blends in with the guitar. That's never, the, that's, I don't think it's ever the case with, with Stargazer. So if, <laughs> if the bass makes mistakes, for example, then you're going to hear it. So yeah, it is, it is hard in that regard. Um, all we can do is practice hard. That's, that's all we can do. Yeah. <laughs> that's all. You know, but yes, they're hard to play. Absolutely. Yeah. And is it something that because you've been doing this for so long that you really long for the live shows, even though they're hard, do you miss it because of the pandemic and stuff? Or are you enjoying the respite? What are your thoughts? Well, we, we had had a rest, uh, yeah, we had had enough time off, so we were, we were quite ready to be um, getting good at playing these songs live. You know, like a, a tour is, is, is nothing better at improving a band than a tour. You know, um, when you're fresh off a tour, you come back to, to rehearsing and it's, everything's just so easy. You know, night after night, you don't, you don't even end up have to, having to warm up for a show eventually. Um, so, yeah, we do miss it and we we're hoping to get a chance to be able to, um, to play these and um yeah we demonstrate that we're much the same band in the studio as we are live which usually gets people you know one of the primary reasons that phil and i do this show is because we love to promote amazing great metal because there's a ton and, and heavy music and there's just a ton there's so many new bands and so many new songs it's impossible unless somebody leads you the right way so where should people go to follow stargazer to make sure they're aware of updates on tour dates and where you're going to be and if they can see you live what's the best is it a facebook is it a web page is it an instagram where's best yeah it's yeah i would say facebook's probably the best for general updates but otherwise um you know our record label also does uh update we're, we're not we're not social mediaites you know we don't, we're not really um we use Facebook, but that's about it. that's about it, you know. Okay, so Every, everything else, everything else is superfluous. We don't bother with Twitter or anything like that. We just think it's. I don't think people really care that much to to know everything we're doing, what we're eating, and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, you know. Sure. So, but where? What Facebook is it? Facebook Stargazer. Yeah, Stargazer Australia, I believe. Stargazer Australia. Okay, and then and the record label is. Uh, currently, Nuclear War Now Productions. NuclearWarNowProductions.com, I'm guessing. I hope so, yeah. Okay, all right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> one, way, one way or the other, the Google machine will get us there. So Facebook yeah, and right. the record label for Stargazer is the best way to follow them to make sure you can catch them on tour. Denny, I'm curious, what keeps somebody like you, you've been doing this for over 20 years now, I think, maybe even almost close to 25. That's a long time in a musical career. What keeps a guy like you motivated to 
put out a gem like this. I mean, it seems like you could do all sorts of things with your life, but this is what you've chosen to do. What drives you? Um, I have no idea. That's, that's a really interesting <laughs> question. Like, uh, it's, uh, maybe, maybe it is my, yeah, maybe it is my ears, you know, I, I, I want it, if, if I'm not hearing something I would like to hear or believe or imagine I would like to hear, then I'm going to try create it, you know. Um, yeah, everyone has their stepping stones, you know, like as in you, you hear all the bands and you're inspired by the bands to pick up your instrument and write music and all that stuff. And eventually it gets to the point where you realize you can't just play what they played and you're going to have to do something that might impress them, you know, or so it really is hard to kick the same ass twice so if somebody's already done it you can do that that's no problem but eventually people are just going to want to pick up the original band if you're if you're a band that sounds like slayer that's nice um but eventually people just want just going to go back to listening to slayer so i don't want to be one of those musicians um or songwriters so i guess yeah it's just writing the albums that i think i would expect should come out <laughs> in this era um that that's about it that's that's all i can think of really okay cool and what made you choose this this particular genre i know you dabble in a lot of genres but what made you pick heavy music generally rather than it sounds like with your talent you could have been a concert pianist in an orchestra or a, a via a cellist or a bass player in a woodwind band i mean it could have been anything why this genre um i have uh i have no answer to that i just got into heavy music at a very young age um from a family member or a friend or a tv show or what do you remember it was a, it was a blend of i mean it was a lot easier back in the 80s because you know, everyone's grandma was listening to iron maiden back then so it was i can tell you what brother my grandma wasn't so you had a cool grandma <laughs> well <laughs> you need a new grandma <laughs> <laughs> Nah, it's uh, yeah, like like I said back then, it was it was a lot more mainstream back then, so it was it was hard to miss. But um, you know, there was record stores everywhere and supermarkets and whatnot, so you could um, where did I hear it from? I think I think it was my father, and he, he had some albums, and I gravitated to what you know, ACDC, Black Sabbath, Frank Zappa, some random LPs, and uh, and by my, I think I heard Judas Priest when I was eight. And I asked for record vouchers, record vouchers. You just got these they're gift vouchers, effectively. And I went out and bought three Judas Priest albums. Oh, cool. And that pretty much started it from then. And um, like I said, they were much easier to get. Um, you just went to the local record store and you could, yeah, there was pretty much a bit of everything there. But there was, a, there was a very, very large metal section. So it was a lot easier to find, a lot more commercially viable and available. So, um, yeah, there, there was... Um, older brothers and friends at school, you know. I remember hearing S.O.D. and Metallica in in uh, primary school from a mate of mine whose brother was a couple of years older and obviously had his wherewithal to be able to afford some LPs. Probably had a job at McDonald's or something, you know. <laughs> and uh, you know, so yeah, yeah, it, it was all all different ways. But like I said, it was, it was different, you know. The way you describe that, Denny, makes me think that you're longing for a time because it sounds like you're saying that the current era in your town or your area in Australia over there is less focused on metal and heavy music. Like, you guys are more obscure now. Is that fair? Um, hmm. Well, 
I wouldn't say we're more obscure. We're we're very well known locally, like in our in uh, South Australia. Okay. And we've we've been around long enough, but the, the scene is definitely smaller than it was. Um, as things became more niche, and um, you know, like say say you know, a lot of people liked heavy metal. Um, the people that liked hard rock like heavy metal. Um, people that like pop like heavy metal. And when speed and thrash came in, you know, the people that liked hard rock and pop stopped liking speed metal and uh you know and and then and, and so on and so forth once it got to i remember once it got to death metal and black metal it became very very niche you know you wouldn't really get heavy metal fans wanting to go to a black metal concert because you know too many people wearing black lipstick as, as opposed to right pink lipstick or something right right <laughs> but uh yeah it's it, it the more extreme it got the more niche it became so this the scene has shrunk i believe worldwide as well um but when you've got you know, limited population, you know, the thing is that if you, if you go to Europe, heavy metal is, is not even trendy. It's just it's just still culturally ingrained. And I think that got lost somewhere here in Australia. It kind of just went away. <laughs> when grunge hit, it just disappeared. And um, and then you realize at that point, everyone, most people were just following trends. I have a totally yeah. unrelated question, but Phil, did you have something to say? No, no, I was just going to make a comment that it's hard to go from ACDC to corpse paint and was thinking about <laughs> Satan descending from the sky. <laughs> yeah, that is, is a, a big shift. Is, yeah. <laughs> All right, well, Phil, I'm going to ask you then because I want to know what your favorite right. track is and I want to see if Denny lines up with us. Denny, are you able to pick amongst children and pick your favorite track? Because I have a standout that I absolutely love and I go to every time I put this album on and it is Hooves, track five. I love that fucking song. Phil, what's okay. yours? Do you want to pick one I, and see? I like the Lash of the Titans. I think that's my, I think that's my favorite one. Okay, track uh, track two yeah, is that, Lash of the Titans. Yeah. Denny, do you have a favorite child on this yeah. album? Oh. Um, yeah, the last song, The Pilgrimage. Right on. Awesome. Cool. I'm glad we all, it just shows the variety <laughs> in music that, you know, you got three people who love an album and they all pick a different song as their favorite. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's, that's what it's about. So, Denny, also, I'm curious, um, you know, we always ask our guests, and again, thank you so much for being one of our guests. It's just so cool to get people like you to share your time with us and our listeners. But uh, one thing we love to do is because we are focused on spreading great, heavy music, and I'll give you some time to think about it if you need it, we always ask our interviewees, like, what's the top two or three albums post-2000 releases? I don't want the classical stuff, but like, what's a modern release that you would say if you met a friend for the first time and you guys you know hit it off really well at the bar hey buddy you gotta check out blank you gotta check out such and such if they're into heavy music are you able to answer and say you know god i just fallen in love with these one or two or three albums uh that either they're well known or not but something that mm. you kind of gravitate toward in the heavy genre heavy genre wow um I, I like standout albums, especially post 2000. They become fewer and further between. Um, I'd say uh, I like Realm Builder. Um, uh, they, they, their last album is Blue Flame Caval uh, Cavalry, and uh, they're a very obscure heavy metal band, very quirky. Um, I want to make sure I, get, I want to make sure I get that right because your accent is beautiful, but it was a little thick on that. Realm Builder. Realm Builder. Could you spell Realm that? Builder. Yeah, Realm Builder. Um, that's one that comes to mind. And the, those guys are also um, 
they write soundtracks and also produce movies. They did um, a couple of recent very big films as well. Um, very strange heavy metal, very unique. Can you um, can you can you spell the first word? I'm sorry. What's the first word that you're saying? Realm. Oh, R-E-L-M. realm. L M. R e a l m. Builder. Yeah, realm. How many times you got here? Good. Okay. Hey, <laughs> fuck you, Phil. <laughs> okay. So I'm seeing here some of the stone throwers, fortifications of the pale architect. These guys. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Cool. 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 Okay. Yeah. I've never heard of that. That's that's pretty cool. Neither have yeah, I. They, if you look up their details, they also um yeah they they've done some uh, bigger name films. I'm trying to remember some of them. They did a horror film a few years ago and some uh, yeah. You'll be able to find it, no worries. You'll probably find it interesting. Um, anything else? Well, Blue Flame Cavalry, 2013 on I Hate Records. Cool, man. See, this is why it's just... It's amazing that you can be a metal fan for 30 years and still learn about new stuff every day. It's, it's unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, anything else? Wow. I'm struggling with everything else. <laughs> Okay, well then let's do it a little bit differently. Maybe if it's pre two thousand, yeah. like what? Do you, I don't know if you have children or not, but if you had a, a son or daughter just getting into metal, what would you say? Here's the two or three staples. You need to go figure these two or three out. Don't leave your room until you figured them out. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I think uh, oh, for me, one of my favorite albums of all time is is a uh, Ripping Corpse, Dreaming with the Dead. Um, okay. you no. Know, old New Jersey band and uh, Eric Rutan went on to play in Morbid Angel and and um, I think one of the guitarists went on to Hate Eternal as well at some point um, but they, they were one of those bands from the, the late 80s yeah the late 80s never heard um, it Phil have you ever heard of that? no I don't think so that's unbelievable you'll see um, you'll see their shirts are worn by all the old bands like Suffocate. If you, if you flip over Effigy of the Forgotten by Suffocation, you'll see one of the band members wearing a Ripping Corp shirt. You see them everywhere. They were one of those bands that weren't quite as big as all the um, classic death metal bands, but they, were, they preceded them and um, influenced most of them as well. So very, very unique. Um, yeah, it's like, um, what's that? Craftwork and the Beatles. You know, no one really hears about like the, the Craftwork a lot, but the but they influence it like crazy if you actually look into it. Um, yeah, crap. Yeah, game. right? I mean, I kind of think I had that right. It'd be pretty bad if I didn't. But, um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but okay, so it's Ripping Corpse. And what's the, what, and what is the band Ripping Corpse? Or is the, is an album Ripping Corpse? Dreaming with the Dead is the album. Dreaming with the Dead. We're Dreaming with the Dead and we're Ripping Corpses. All right, got it. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> very, very optimistic. I mean, it's, you know, depends what, what on you, how you look at it. What do you guys listen to mostly? Well, we've had a lot of great acts on this show. We've interviewed Brittany Slays of Unleash the Archers, phenomenal power band. Uh, Matt Smith of Theocracy, another phenomenal power band. One of the albums that reminds me of your most recent release in some ways uh, that we promoted earlier and we spoke to uh, the guitarist, uh, Matt, from Cormorant. Oh, He's yeah, a Calif- California band. So if, if you've never heard of Cormorant, uh, Denny, they have an album called Diaspora. And they went into the studio and they recorded it all live, just straight through, like a set. And uh, it's four tracks. Some of them are 10, 12 minutes, but they're still, it's tight when you take it all together. And it really has a similar black feel to your release here. So I think you'd 
really vibe well. If there were an album that someone said to me, tell me something that sounds like Danny's band, but it's a different band because I, I want to expand and move into another, I would say Diaspora by Cormorant is what I would right. recommend. But we, we love getting into the, the new stuff and, and sharing with our listeners all that there is. And 2021 has been a very heavy release of new stuff, I think, because everybody was pent up in 2020. They got into the studio and recorded, and now we got a, exactly. a flood of good stuff. One of my mm. favorites from this year that I would re- uh, recommend to you is Lake of Tears. Are you familiar with Lake of Tears at all? Nope. Man, you're going to love these guys. Uh, they, <laughs> they, they have an album that's very, very much different than yours, but it just, like your guys' stuff, captures the vibe of what it is they're trying to pull off. And it's, uh, the album is called Ominous. And it's just a kind of a dark foreboding. It's clean singing, clean vocals, but it just feels yeah. heavy. You feel the angst in it, and it's really authentic and well done. So that's uh, some stuff I'd recommend you to, uh, just in, so the, in the kinship of circulating good music. <laughs> so, the verbal flyer. That, that's right, that's right. Exactly. So, so Denny, what, what's on the horizon for you guys? What should we be on the lookout for? Are you already back in the studio since you can't tour, or are you hoping to tour really soon? What's up next for the band? The only thing we have planned is uh, there is a small festival. Uh, any future lockdowns pending, I mean, I, I don't know if, I think that's in November. We'll be playing our first show back for a long, long time. Uh, otherwise, we just thought it, we'd just still forge ahead. So we're tackling some of the songs I had still had written and working on a new mini album. So, yeah. I got a crazy question for you that I've always always wanted to ask. What's the, what's one of the craziest things you've ever seen at a show? Since you've been playing live for so many years, have you ever seen somebody just you know shit themselves on the on the stage, some band before you, or you know something crazy that's happened? Like what's the, what's one of the craziest things you've ever seen live? That's just gross. That's not even crazy. That's just like yeah, yeah. <laughs> you even want to. It's on the razor's edge of crazy and gross. Um, I think uh, we played a show back in, I think it was was either late 90s, I believe. Um, It wasn't in Patrick's It was was a band from Australia. Um, And uh, they've done quite a few albums, so you well know. And uh, the singer they had at the time, I thought he was a bit of a want to be mayhem kind of guy and he came in into the change room and study he had a big big it wasn't a bucket it was like a, a jerry can full of blood and um and after they finished you know delving themselves with all this blood he decided to start throwing it all over the walls of the change room oh, and, and i'm just seeing that oh, man you don't you don't do that and just keep it for yourself man he's like yeah he's on his i don't know what he was on but he was on something but, uh, you know, he's splashing it all over the walls, trying to be like, you know, mayhem-esque. And, um, and then I found out he got the bill the next day. <laughs> to repaint yeah. The room. yeah. Yeah. Jesus and that's when, and that's when you look at him and go, was it worth it? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> really worth it. Nobody remembers you now. It didn't matter. It doesn't yeah, matter. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. That was not legendary or whatever you were going no, for. Yeah. <laughs> Legendarily yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, that is awesome. Crazy. Well, Denny, what would you want to leave our listeners with? It could be about your band, uh, Stargazer. It could be about one of the side projects. It could be about uh, you know anything in between. What would you like to kind of conclude the interview with and say, 
if you guys like this album, do this or go check this out. What would you kind of want to be the parting shot for folks listening to Denny Blake, the Serpent Inquisitor, lead, the only vocalist and, and guitarist in Stargazer, an unbelievably talented band. What would you want them to know? Well, everything's on hold at the moment, so we're just doing what we can to push forward in some way. As, same with every other band. You, you know, you've been mentioning there's been a, a, a slew of recordings coming out because everybody's stuck at home. Or um, so the best thing we can do. I mean, in the past, we've we've had releases that have been separated by a duration and a half. You know, there's been big breaks, and that's been to been for various reasons whether it's just taking a long time or a, a member change or something like that but um it's it's funny now this will be the first time in a long time where we will probably follow up a, a brand new release with another brand new release um swifter than usual you know so um i guess people can expect something newer from stargazer sooner than they would normally expect cool cool are you willing to give any more details and timelines or do we have to leave it kind of Come on, so we're about we're about halfway through putting it together at the moment, so it will be a mini album, and um, of five songs. Awesome. And all, all the songs will sound different, <laughs> as you would expect, and so far they don't really sound like uh, anything from the, the album prior. So uh, that's that's the main thing, you know. Cool. Always. All right. Well, you guys heard it here. Check them out on the Facebook. Go to their record labels page so that you can track them and make sure that. I mean, is there any chance it's going to be a 2021 release, or is it going to most likely be 2022? I'd say 2022. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. Denny, thank you so much for joining the Great Heavy Music Podcast. Keep crushing it over there. I was really floored by your guys' album, and I intend to go back and now consume all of them in back order. So uh, thank you so oh, yeah. much. <laughs> and uh, Phil, thank you as always, brother. You're the man. All right, thank you. Yep. <laughs> Thanks, Phil. See ya. See ya.